0: Now, we know the book of Ephesians is packed, right? Hasn't it been packed just to just take a look at it and see the different pieces, and you just go, wow. You could spend, we could spend a lot of Sundays digging through the book of Ephesians. And so really what I want to do as we close that series is I want to give you a simple way of thinking about the letter. It's just three words that helps you understand what Paul's burden is, and then also a game that we're going to start today with. It's a very important theological game that I think most of us have played. So I need to have five children of any age you are welcome to come up. Five children to come up and help me. Come on up. Verse five. One, two, three, four, five. Okay. Okay. Oh, we will do six. Yeah. Mercy triumphs over judgment, right? Exactly. It's like we've got to do it. OK, so here, you, you guys got to help me. And then we need some people too to, to um, just a couple people to come join Diane and guard the stage, because what we're going to play is musical chairs. Have you guys ever played musical chairs? How many out there have played musical chairs? Musical chairs is actually a great picture of the book of Ephesians. Can we get another adult? How many chairs do we need? I don't know. We need five. All right. It's a good thing you guys can count. Let's keep, let's keep that one. That's three, four. Oh, excuse us. All right. So you guys know how to do this. Now, you're going to referee out here. I need your help because you're going to be the group that calls. They made it in the chair or not. Because inevitably what's going to happen is, you know, someone's going someone's to come in and they're going to act like they're going to slide in the chair and I'm going to slide at the, you know, the same time. And you guys are going to have to call who is first seat in. Are you ready for that? I know it's a big responsibility. So you guys, do you know what's going to happen here? The music's going to start and you have to walk and It's no fear. I used to do this, you know. At first service we had some people that were kind of, they dip the hip as they go by. No, no hip dipping. Okay, you just, what we want you to do is just walk around. When the music stops, you got to find a chair. If you don't find a chair, see you later. Okay, so we're going to walk this way, in this direction. You guys ready? I'm not actually going to be in it. Bruce, start the music. Oh Yes, you just missed it. You can sit up here though. You can sit with us and wait. Okay, so now we gotta take one chair out. Everybody up. One chair is out. We gotta make kind of a new circle with the chairs. Thank you, Heidi. And the music starts. He lifts me up, I get down. He lifts me up, I get down. He lifts me up, I get down. I get down, he lifts me up. Oh, he's teasing you. He oh, Oh, no. You can stay up here with us, though. All right, one more chair. I know it's tough to see siblings go. All right. Oh! Okay, you guys, after the service, if you come into my office, I got a little prize for you guys. But give them all a big hand way to go. <laughs> now, what in the world was that about, right? I don't know. I just needed to add some time to the sermon. I... Oh, it really is a great picture of the book of Ephesians because what Ephesians is really about is sit, walk, and stand. That's the easiest way, if you're, if you're trying to come up with some way to, to uh, cover the whole letter of six chapters, sit, walk, and stand. And in the game, you're only safe when you're seated, right? And then, But you don't just sit in the chair. You've got to get up and walk around, right? And in life, you can't just sit around. You've got to walk. You've got to do your Christian walk. And at times, you really need to make a stand for your place. And so in this book of Ephesians, what we want to do as we close this series is to give you some things to think about in terms of sit, walk. In stand. And I want to start with that first posture of sitting because I think it's the most challenging posture for us to attain. It's why Paul spends three chapters before he starts talking about walking. And then he spends a little bit of uh, the next two chapters and then he finishes with standing. But sitting, this idea of resting is in the Lord and what the Lord has done for us is something that's very foreign to us as we try to work and walk out our faith. So let me ask you this. Right now, what are you doing? You're sitting. And what is doing the work as you (laughs) sit? Yeah, your seat. But the chair is, right? And when when you come, you just sit right down in the chair... You have lots of faith in these chairs. You, know, you don't worry about them giving out. But it's holding you, isn't it? And what Paul's posture in those first three chapters is, all the things that God has done, is doing, and will do, holds you. Seat yourself in that and work from that place. Because when you're tired of walking or you've had a long day at work and all you've done is stand, what do people say to you? Sit down. Put your feet up. And if we don't learn to operate out of the seated position as we do our Christian walk and as we have to do spiritual warfare in a stance, we can really slide out of rest. We can really miss grace and, and, and escape the core message of Ephesians. That's what it's about. Listen to Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 9. And listen to all the things that God has done for us. But because of his great love for us, God. Who's great love? God. Who is rich in mercy? Who's rich in mercy? God. What did he do? Verse 5. He made us alive with Christ. Who made you alive? God. Be a little bit more bold, people. It says, even when you were dead in your transgressions, it's by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ. Who raised us up? God. Thank you, Lucas. And he seated... Here's where it is, verse 6. He seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Who seated us? God. God. All right, you guys are getting this. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you've been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves... It is a gift of God. And so your whole Christian walk has to continually flow from the fact that he has great love for me. He has great mercy for me, unmerited favor. He made me alive when I was an enemy. How much more will he make me alive when I'm a son, right? He's seating me in the heavenly realms. He wants to show His incomparable riches of kindness through us. He wants to do that, and that's the place where you've got to start. That's Paul's point. Sit in that seat. I was looking for pictures of people seated, and I, I was reminded. I can't. I think we were in Arkansas. But have you guys ever seen those in the the different? retreat centers. or things, They'll have these massive chairs, Paul Bunyan-like chairs. And there, there's this one. I should have I put it up here, but it's the biggest chair I've ever seen. This full-grown woman is sitting in this chair, and she just looks like a dot in this massive chair. That's the chair of God, kind of a picture of it. You need to sit in the big mercy seat of God always, because out of that place, that's what we're called to walk out from, is that place of rest. So we know we need to sit. And then Paul says we need to walk. Ephesians 4, listen to this. Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk, a, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Now, here's where it gets tricky for us because we've been seating and, and, we, and we have a hard enough time receiving the fact that God really loves us unconditionally. We say it, don't we? But if we, if we make a mistake, Or if we're grumpy one day or, you know, you have a a bad day at work and and, and, and someone were able to look at your God loves you meter on your forehead. If you're honest, it tends to drop, doesn't it? Your awareness of that. And so when we read something like walking in a manner of worthy, a lot of times what happens for us, the trick about it is, we slide into this place where we think we will get our seat with God if we do really good work. Man, if I'm good enough, if I'm smart enough, talented enough, charitable enough, God will give me a seat. But is that what the book of Ephesians says? No. What Paul is talking about when he says, walking in a manner worthy, listen to what he follows up with. This is what the worthy walk looks like. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. What Paul is talking about when he's talking about this worthy walk isn't so much focused on what you've done, but how you've done it. Humility. In fact, close your eyes right now. And if someone was following you yesterday and the day before yesterday, let's take all the way back To last Sunday, if they followed you all through the week, and they were taking notes, and they were scoring you 0 to 10, on each of these things, how would you score yourself? Humility. Gentleness. Patience. Forbearance. The unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. your, Your peace, let's just call it that. So open your eyes now, don't go to sleep on me. But if you evaluate yourself, you know, no one needs to raise their hand. But do you start to see places where you go, ooh, that wasn't so good? Humility is always tricky because if someone says, you know, are you humble? And you say, well, yes, I am. You, you feel like you get kind of busted there. No, you're not, you're proud. But humility really is, in the, in the, the New Testament world, is this place where you prefer others. It's like, I want, I want you to be successful. I cheer when someone else triumphs. Um, just like when, when, when you stepped off and you, you knew you missed the chair, you, you just, in real, a real act of humility, came over and sat down. That was humility. It's like, okay. So this worthy walk is attached to sitting in Christ because we know those things don't come naturally to us, do they? I mean, when I go down to visit my parents, my youngest sister has two boys, five and seven, Jack and Sammy. And they are, I think they're half otter. They're, they are the, the consummate boys. You can't, you walk into a store with them, and it, as long as they're together, they're clawing. They'll wind up wrestling one another down on the floor, and they're rolling around, and they're giggling. And, and, and so it really, it tests my, it tests my sister's patience. And in those moments, she can't find patience in and of herself, right? She needs to find patience someplace else where there's unlimited patience. That only happens as you sit in Christ. It's in Christ, not in us. So our walk has to emerge out of that chair. Because the truth be told, when I feel like I'm impatient, it's usually because I feel like someone's stealing my chair. That's what happens on the road when someone takes your spot, right? On your road. Watching people drive, when we're driving back from Milwaukee, um, you know, especially because they had the Harley Davidson thing down there. So there's always, there's a ton of Harley riders on the road. Everyone freaks out when there's Harleys on the road. It's like, oh no, it's the apocalypse. So they're already tense. And people are racing around. And it's crazy what people will do to get to their spot, isn't it? It's like musical chairs on the highway. But, If you're confident that he who has given you new life, who has seated you in the heavenly places, who has given you incomparably great riches, who will work in and through you, all those things are yours. Out of that, you can discover a place where you go, I can let it go. Because in the moment when we're doing our walk, what happens when we find things getting in our way is we tend to try harder, but what we really need to do is trust more. We tend to try harder when actually what we need to do is trust more. Once you get impatient, once you lose hold of humility or humility loses hold of you, it's because you're going, this is mine. And you've lost sight of, no, everything is yours in Christ. You've got to sit back down in that. And then your walk begins to right itself. So when you're frustrated in your walk, it's not try harder, it's trust more. And lastly, what Paul is after in this idea of walking is sometimes you can do everything. That's why Paul says in Ephesians, as he begins to talk about standing, he says, having done all, in other words, having seated yourself in Christ, having really walked out of that place, you're going to still run into places. Look at Jesus' life. Did Jesus do anything wrong? No. Did he deserve the misrepresentations, the insults? the slander. Did he deserve that? No. So what you see is the perfect... Look at Paul. If Jesus is too far out the category, look at Paul. Paul, who's traveling around to share the good news, does he deserve to be stoned, put out of the city? Does he deserve the lashes? Does he deserve to be in the prison he's riding from? No. So there are times when in our walk, we've seated ourselves in Christ. This is really hard for us to get our heads around. And out of that place, we begin to walk earnestly in all humility, trusting the Lord. And we run into a place where the enemy comes and we have to stand. You know, it's not this casual stand like this. It's a stand. It's like this. This is my place. It's those kids sliding in. This is mine. And you take your stand. So Paul says in Ephesians 6, verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Because the devil will come along and he loves. What what the devil has to do is create doubt. That's why in in the beginning of the book, in Genesis, in the garden, he approaches Adam and Eve and he says what? Did God really say? Did God really say? And as you're getting out of your chair to do your Christian walk, you're going to run into places where like, this isn't working the way I thought it would work. In fact, I just talked to two people the last couple of weeks where they said, I don't know, this Christian life isn't what it was all cracked up to be. And the understanding they're operating from is that somehow everything is going to go the way that I expect it to go. But if you read the Gospels, is that what happens? If you read Paul's life, is that what happens? And many times as you're going along and you're doing the right things, bad stuff happens. And in that moment, you've got to make your stand. Is Jesus for you? Has God every provision you need? Is the kingdom the greatest? Is he who is in me greater than he who is in the world? Is that and that's your stance because the enemy wants to come along and saying, You're in trouble, buddy. Uh Uh-oh. No way anyone's gonna help you. You're on your own. I would scramble like mad. Because if you think this is bad, just wait. It gets worse. And you've got to stand. Paul says it this way. He says in verse 10 of chapter 6, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Not my might, His. Here's the deal, people. When you find yourself faltering in your walk, you probably need to sit down for a while. But if your walk is going strong and you haven't lost sight of who you are in Christ and what he has done for you, and you continue to chug along, expect at some point in time you're going to have to make a stand. And you're going to have to say, no, no more. This is over. This is done. This is through. And when that happens, what you're appropriating is the biblical truth of what Jesus has done. As he finishes the work at Calvary, he makes this short but powerful statement. It is finished. 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 Is it? Is it? But what the enemy wants you to wonder is, oh, well, he didn't mean everything. Oh, that doesn't include this. Jesus missed a fine print in my contract. That, That clause, you better look again. People of God. It is finished. So in the moment when you're having to make the stand, you are not working for victory. You are already standing in it. Paul says, thanks be to God, who continuously leads us in this triumphal procession in Christ. What procession? The triumphal one. Now, does that mean that Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, everything is going to roll out the way Mark Spencer wants. No, it doesn't mean that, but it means when I encounter something, and you know, you know what the devil smells like, don't you? You should. I mean, that kind of figuratively, not literally, but all of a sudden, you go, You know what? Something's not right here. Right now, we're you know, you guys have, have known that. I've, I wound up at the age of 45 having to get my hips transplanted. That's fine. I was done with my athletic career. I had done the damage I was going to do. But the way that we Spencers are built, they were just shot. The doctor said, your hips look like most 90-year-old hips that I see. They had just pounded through. But we have one of our children that's unfortunately inherited our hips, and we are having to stand on the promises that no, no. We're having to believe Is Jesus able to heal? Yes. Will he sustain? Is he who created able also to recreate and restore and make new? Is he? Yes. And in those moments, because it's not so much... I mean, yes, we want that. And yes, we see enough biblical evidence for that. But there's also the other part of something smells funny about this. Do you know what I mean? All of a sudden, your cars and your stuff is breaking down. And you just look at one another and you go... Something's funny about this. This isn't right. Or your relationships start to go soft. And you go, something's not right about this. smells funny. Time to stand. And when you're taking that stand, you are standing on the immovable, unshakable rock who says, it is finished. Bam! It's done. It's because of what he's done, not what I can do. It's what he's done. And you've got to make Your stand. It's him. So as we close the book of Ephesians, Paul wants us to remember, yes, we need to be seated with him. Yes, we need to walk worthy. There's going to be times where we have to make our stand. But there's a lot even in that to remember. So I want to ask you to close your eyes and pray with me. And I don't know, does everybody grab a sticky note and a pencil? Does anybody need a sticky note or a pencil? If you do, raise your hand and one of the ushers will will get you one of those. Just raise it up. Don't worry. Lots of people. You second service people are awake. The first service people missed it. You guys are advanced. You're the 202 class. We just want to appropriate. It's so important. What's key in the Christian life when Jesus says, come follow me, is this whole dynamic of hearing his voice, seeing what he's doing, and following him. And right now, as we close the book of Ephesians, in one of those three areas, sit, walk, or stand, I know Jesus wants to speak to you about something. He wants to encourage you. He wants to pro- make a promise clear to you. And so we're going to give some time. You're going to get a chance to write down on your note what it is. Later on in the service, you get a chance to walk through that door and stamp it on there make a make kind of a faith walk statement of, I remember this, God. This is the one thing. And I'm grateful for this. You know, God is a gracious God. Aren't you grateful for the fact that he does one thing at a time in your life? He doesn't, like, throw all these papers at you and say, get all this done by tomorrow, Mark, or you're in trouble with me. He usually is pointing out, here's what, here's what I want to talk to you about. Mark, this is the thing that I really want you to focus on. I think so oftentimes we just have too, too long of to-do lists from God. I think he's one step at a time, God. And so we want to take it one step at a time. We want to use this time to give you a chance as we close the book of Ephesians to say, Lord, what is it you want me to remember as I walk through that door and those doors and step into the rest of the day? Would you pray with me? Let's start with stand. Is there something right now in your life that just doesn't, like I said, it, it feels funny, it smells funny, and you know you need to make a stand. Well, take a moment. Listen to the Lord. Think about all the verses of Ephesians that have come your way. Is there some some place where Jesus wants you to sit down a truth that as you do your stand, you can rest in this promise? You can rest in what he's done. If so, write that down on your sticky note. Maybe it's your walk. Maybe when you ran through that, that quick little virtue list of humility and gentleness and patience, you were like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Well, stop oohing and pick, <laughs> and pick the one that's clearest to you from God. And say, Lord, what, what, what is it that you have done that you really want to make new in my life so that I can really receive a flow of humility or gentleness or patience, a new resting place? There's something in your walk, maybe. And then lastly, maybe you're here today and you're like, honestly, Mark, I feel like it's musical chairs and I don't have a place to sit down. my, My relationship with the Lord just seems to have gotten to a place where it doesn't feel like either the promises are for me or what's going on here. I just can't find that mercy seat to sit in. Then write that down. Make that known. Make a declaration to say, Lord, would, would you again introduce my seat to me so I can, I can find my place of rest, where I can find that place of connection with you, where mercy and favor and goodness flow. So continue to listen. It's important just to have that one thing that you'll get a chance to put on the door. We're going to pray for the offering now and I'm going to pray for you. Lord, we thank you for this letter. We know Paul wrote it, but it came from your heart. You wanted us to really see clearly the big place you want us to sit in. You want us to have confidence that as we walk out in our life that we are undergirded with your mercy and grace. And when we have to take a stand, it's by your strength. So, Lord, as we get ready to do this offering, we have an opportunity just to give out of what you've given us. And I pray also that we'd open up our hearts and our spirits in a way to say, Lord, in these other areas that we've just written down, Lord, would you give us in a fresh way your grace and your mercy? Would you give us the promises we need to cling to so that we could be people who walk in a worthy way? In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.